This morning we're returning to the book of the Psalms, and if you look there with me in Psalm 49, Psalm 49, and look there with me in verse 8, God's word declares in Psalm 49, verse 8, for the redemption of their souls is precious, and it ceaseth forever. If it had not been for Christ, the redemption of our souls could have never been accomplished. Beloved, had Christ not undertook the redemption of our souls and performed it, the hope of our redemption would have ceased forever. But He, by the sacrifice of Himself, has obtained our eternal redemption. And what a glorious word it is that we see set forth here. Redemption. Beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ is our kinsman redeemer. Now, it's been a while since we've looked at the book of Ruth, but during our survey there, we learned about Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. And Boaz is a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Boaz, being the nearest kin, had the right to redeem, had the ability to redeem, and was willing to do the redemption, indeed to redeem. And so Boaz is a very good picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, what a Redeemer we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. He has redeemed us from our sin with His own precious blood. Indeed, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's own beloved and well-pleasing Son, cleanses us from all our sins. The redemption of their soul, the redemption of the souls of God's people is precious. Now, this word redemption speaks of our being delivered. You see, beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ is our deliverer, for he has delivered us from all condemnation. Indeed, he has, through his doing and dying, has both given us and accomplished our salvation for us. Now, this psalm, Psalm 49, has a sobering and truthful message for those who would find some sort of refuge in the deceitfulness of riches or in the so-called power of the free will of man, or in the so-called righteousness established by the power of sinful flesh. Indeed, the whole of God's word sets forth for what it really is. All flesh is grass. But further to that, Psalm 49 also sets forth a message of comfort for the believer who finds all of his salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Now notice what it says there in verse 15. God will redeem my soul. Who will redeem our soul, beloved? I can't. You can't. But thanks being to our God, He will redeem my soul. Who else could? Who else is able to save to the uttermost but our Lord and God, Jesus Christ? You see, God will redeem my soul. He has and He will. And on that day, beloved, he will finally and totally deliver us from the presence and power of sin and make us just like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this psalm is reminiscent of the words found in Jeremiah chapter 17, where it sets forth who is the cursed man and who is the blessed man. If you would, look there with me in Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17, and then notice, if you would, verse 5. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. And then we read in verse 7, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope is in the Lord our God. Now notice, if you would, verse 1 there in Psalm 49. Psalm 49, verse 1. Hear this, all ye people, Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world. Beloved, hear this. Don't hear something else. Hear this. Oh, that we would be swift to hear 
And indeed, that's what God's Word exhorts us to do, does it not? The Apostle James writes in the book that bears his name, Indeed, God's own Word declares, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. Hear this, all ye people, give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world. And verse 2, we see that this message is for all people without distinction. Verse 2, both low and high, rich and poor together. You see, it doesn't matter your station in life. All men need to hear this message from Almighty God. And he says, hear this, all ye people, both low and high, rich and poor together. Hear the word of the Lord, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of God concerning Christ and him crucified. My friend, the gospel is a message to be heard by all people. All men without distinction, poor, rich, young, Jew, Gentile, black and white. You see, our risen Lord has commanded his church, and this is recorded for us in Mark chapter 16. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It doesn't say go preach the gospel to the elect or just my chosen creatures. No, no. Rather, preach the gospel to every creature and God will call out His elect chosen people with that message. He'll divide the sheep from the goats, and of the sheep, He said, they'll hear My voice. I know them, and I give unto them eternal life, and, beloved, He gives us ears to hear His voice. Have you ever noticed that God has given us two ears and one tongue? Now, no doubt, one reason for that is so that we can hear what's around us. But I think it illustrates very well how that we should employ twice as much time listening as we do speaking. Indeed, we should be swift to hear Him and slow to speak. Beloved, we should be twice as ready to hear Him. And so you see, God's given us two ears. And sadly, all too frequently, we are speaking when we should be still, quiet, and listening. Our Lord said frequently, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. I think of that as a prayer by our Lord to our Heavenly Father, speaking of the elect. Father, let him who has ears, let him hear. Let the elect hear the gospel and believe it. Blessed are your eyes, he said, for they see. Your ears, for they hear. Oh, what a blessing it is to hear a word from God, blessed in the power of God the Holy Spirit to our heart. Oh, what a blessed thing it is when God speaks from heaven to the hearts of his people. And our Heavenly Father's message is this. And, and not only do we hear it, he supplies the obedience to obey it. He says this, This is my beloved, beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And then over there in Hebrews chapter 1, and turn there with me if you like, Hebrews chapter 1, we read these words, God's word declares in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God, who at sundry times and in, and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. That's pretty clear, is it not? Well, it's only clear by God's grace. And it's so helpful. By God's grace, I don't have an ear to hear any other prophet. I don't have ears to listen to Muhammad. I don't have ears to listen to Joseph Smith. I don't have ears to listen to Ellen White or any other human being, save one. The God-man mediator, God's beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, for a willingness to hear the gospel message contained in hearing His voice. That's why you're here this morning, are you not? To hear a word from God. I mean, you didn't come here to hear me preach. I trust you came here to hear a word from God. And I prayed and trust the Lord to bless his, us with the message and be able to deliver a message that's true to His word, a message that's honoring to Christ and His words. Our Lord said, If a man love me, if a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him 
and make our abode with him. Hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. You see, the gospel message of salvation is of the Lord. That's the message, that salvation is of the Lord. And it's to be heard by all people people under God's reign. All people, all nations, rich, poor, learned, unlearned. For regarding the flesh, God is no respecter of persons. And so we go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. And so that man who refuses, that man or woman who refuses to receive gospel instruction from the word of God will not be able to escape receiving destruction. When God Almighty says in judgment, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire. Can you imagine hearing such a pronouncement from God Almighty? You see, the man who refuses to hear gospel instruction, anyone, any man, woman, or child who refuses to receive gospel instruction will one day receive those damning instructions, depart from me. So what attitude should we have when listening to the gospel? I like what Cornelius said to Peter. Now God had been doing a work in the heart of Cornelius And he gathered all of his servants around to hear the man sent of God. And Cornelius said, We are all present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. You see, we're not here in the presence before a man to hear what a man thinks. No, no. We are all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded of God. And so, beloved, that's why we're here this morning. We're here to hear a word from God Almighty. So hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world. Doesn't matter, low or high, rich or poor, bond or free, Jew or Gentile, black or white, young or old. Hear this. Hear God's gospel concerning Christ Jesus. And that's what's being referred to in verse 3, the preaching of the gospel. Psalm 49, verse 3. My mouth shall speak of wisdom. Beloved, that's our message. Our message is wisdom. The wisdom of God that's hid in the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And then look there with me in verse 2. The Apostle Paul writes there his heart's desire and prayer for God's people. How that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so my mouth shall speak of wisdom. Or we can say it this way. Our message is Christ Jesus the Lord. Christ and Him crucified. You see, God's servants have a message to preach. Beloved, we have a message to preach. And the Apostle Paul said, Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. But now listen. If I do by His grace preach the gospel of Christ... And you won't hear it. Woe unto you if you won't hear it. Woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel of Christ, but woe unto that person who refuses to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle says in another place in 2 Corinthians, we preach not ourselves. We preach not ourselves. I want want to show you this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And then look there with me in verse 5. The Apostle writes here, We preach not ourselves, beloved, we don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord alone. You know, I've never heard a believer complain that we preach Christ too often, or that we exalt Christ too much, or that we give Him too much honor and glory. I've never heard a believer complain about that, have you? Rather, I'd like to be charged by the enemies of the cross of Christ 
with being guilty of giving too much honor to the Lord Jesus Christ and exalting Him too high in the preaching of the gospel. You see, we say with the Apostle Paul, we preach not ourselves, but ourselves your servants. And beloved, we're each other's servants for Christ's sake. Beloved, our message is the Lord Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You see, we preach what He has done for us, not what we, what, not what we, what we must do for Him. Our, must, our message is not let God do something or, or give Jesus a try and see if that will work for you. You see, our message is not what we do for God or what we, we must do. Rather, our message is what God has done for us in Christ. And beloved, He's redeemed us from our sin and has given us Christ and Christ alone. And may that be our determination every time we meet together as God's saints. Indeed, may our determination be the same as what the Apostle Paul determined, not to know anything among you but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Christ crucified is the wisdom of God, the power of God, the righteousness of God, the salvation of sinners in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It says over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we preach Christ crucified as the wisdom and power of God. And so our message is that of wisdom. My mouth shall speak of wisdom and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. Now look over there with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'll pick up reading there in verse 22. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 22. God's word declares... For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. That is, they seek after a fleshly, worldly wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, under the Jews a stumbling block, and under the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ crucified, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Oh, the wisdom of God in the gospel. How it is that God can be a just God and Savior and how he can be just and the justifier of the ungodly. And so we preach Christ crucified as the wisdom of God, the glory of God, and God's servants preaching with understanding. Again, it says that in Psalm 49, verse 3, My mouth shall speak of wisdom, that is, of Christ, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. That is, the meditation of my heart is with understanding of who God is, and in His light, I understand who I am, a sinner saved by God's undeserved grace. Here's what it says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. We, we looked at this last Sunday, so we, we don't need to turn, you don't need to turn there again. I'll just read it to you. God's Word declares in 1 John chapter 5, verse 20, And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding. <laughs> I never tire of reading that. It explains right there how it is we understand and believe the gospel. Now, we understand it in part. I'm not saying we fully understand all the mysteries of the gospel, beloved. But to understand that we are complete in Him, that we lack nothing, that we're washed truly and completely with His blood and dressed in the perfect righteousness of God, how it is that we know that? He's given us understanding, beloved, that we may know Him that is true, and we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. You see, this is the understanding with which believers preach. And we preach with understanding and we hear with understanding. Now turn with me to Psalm 119. I want to show you a verse there that sets forth how that we receive this understanding. Psalm 119. It says there, verse 103, How sweet are thy words unto my taste! Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Through God's word, when he opens this book, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, speaking of it, how it is we're saved, he said, I'll send forth the spirit of truth that proceeds from the Father, and he'll testify of me. And so... When we hear the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we hear somebody else lie about his person or lie 
about his work. Well, I, I hate that, don't you? I hate that which is contrary to the, to the gospel of God's grace. Someone who can hear what's false and tolerate it, I think it's, well, I fear it's for this reason, it's because they have no real genuine love for the truth, no real genuine love for the Lord Jesus Christ. I hate that which is contrary to God, contrary to the gospel, contrary to salvation by God's grace. I despise it because it's dishonoring to my Lord and God. And it's not true. It's dishonoring to the Lord Jesus Christ. God's people, God's sheep, they can be deceived for a time and sit under something that's false for a time. But when somebody's just butting against the truth of the gospel, I'm really concerned about that for, for, for someone can hear that Christ died for every single person in the world and now there are people in hell for whom he shed his precious blood. What a lie. What a dishonoring lie. It is so bad uh, and it's such a, uh, a fearful revelation that someone could sit under a gospel like that to hear uh, week after week how the Lord Jesus Christ is merely trying to save everyone, but ultimately he can't. This is the false Christ of false religion. They teach and preach a possibility gospel, a possibility salvation, not the glorious purpose salvation that we read about in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. And I hate that with a passion. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not tolerate anybody lying about his blessed person or his finished saving work. You, you can't. It's, it's not, it's not a, you just can't but tell the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ because <laughs> you've heard him. He said, I give my life for the sheep. He said, I, I don't come into the world to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. And on and on he talks about them. He says, in another place, this is the Father's will, he who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I shall lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And so, we therefore hate every false way, beloved. God has revealed to us every false way, and in the light of his way, we know what those false ways are. God's word sets forth here, through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate, I hate every false way. And so my mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. Turn with me to Proverbs, book of Proverbs chapter 4. Understanding. Oh, to hear of the Lord Jesus Christ with understanding. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5 declares, now this is telling us something about wisdom and understanding. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5. Get wisdom. Get wisdom, beloved. Get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from thy word, from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she, she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Verse 7. Now wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting... Get understanding. Beloved, these are the gifts God gives to His church for the ministry of the gospel by the power and revelation of God the Holy Spirit. Now look at Psalm 49, verse 4. I will incline mine ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the harp, the song. You see, God's servants tell others what they have heard, what they have learned. And being taught of God, know to be so. You see, you cannot tell others what you don't know. Indeed, that's impossible to do. You see, you cannot tell others what you don't know any more than you can come back from where you haven't been. And so, beloved, we declare a message that is true, a message that we believe, a message that we have experienced in our heart. And we declare this message with joy. We say with the Apostle Paul, Brethren, rejoice! Rejoice in the Lord, rejoice. To write or to preach the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. You know, I preach the same message every time I preach. 
Beloved, the gospel message doesn't change. God doesn't change, and so his gospel message doesn't change either. You see, the gospel doesn't change. Our message is always how that salvation is of the Lord. You see, the gospel is the same yesterday, today, and forever, just like God is, just like our Lord and God Jesus Christ is. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. Beloved, every time I come to preach, I preach the same message to you. And thank God for that. You see, every time I stand to preach, it's not a burden. It's not grievous to me to preach the message of the gospel. But for you, it is safe. Now, I want you to see this verse with me in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I think this is the only place in God's word where the word safe is used. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 1. It's quite the long conclusion to his letter, is it not? He's chapter 3 and he's saying finally and goes on to another chapter. <laughs> the Apostle Paul writes here in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Now the apostle is not speaking of the four-legged type, but rather he's speaking here about false preachers. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. In effect, Paul is saying, beware of those flesh merchants, the concision, those who preach circumcision, or salvation through what you do in your flesh, rather than what Christ has done in his Beware of them. Verse 3. But we are the circumcision. We are the true Israel. The true circumcision of the heart by the operation of God upon the heart. And my friend, that's a circumcision we all need. And so, beloved, we worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. If you are a beloved child of God and you find yourself having a little bit of confidence in your flesh, our Heavenly Father will bring chastisement upon you and He'll scourge you. Not, not in wrath, in love. To see afresh that there's nothing in this flesh to have any confidence in, beloved. Um, I love how it is we read in John's Gospel. If you turn there with me, this is... Uh, A beautiful portion of God's Word. It's all good. <laughs> in John chapter 1, verse 12 and verse 13, the Apostle Paul, in the beginning of the Gospel that bears his name, he puts into the dust the so-called free will of man. And he writes there, As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And he puts the so-called power of the flesh, the so-called free will of man into the dust here in verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And so, beloved, and I've said this before, but it, it bears repeating, and mature believers make this mistake from time to time, don't look within, don't, don't look in here for God to do a work. Uh, mature believers are prone to do this. We start looking for a work for God to do in us, in this flesh. Don't do it, beloved. Look away from yourselves. Stop your navel gazing and look to the flesh of the Son of God. It's in His flesh that He established a perfect righteousness for His beloved people. And it is in that flesh He gave and shed His precious blood as a life ransom for all of His people so that we can read and rejoice and rest in that declaration we read in Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. And it's a miracle to hear it. It's a miracle to receive it. It's a miracle to believe it. And it's a miracle to know it. <laughs> uh, beloved, ye are complete in Christ. You lack nothing. You are washed truly and completely by the precious blood of Christ. And you're addressed in that spotless, uh, 
unblameable, unreprovable righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when it says unblameable, unreprovable, <laughs> that's not talking about our record of on the earth. We want to live that way. We want to have a good testimony. But that unreprovable, unblameable record is speaking about the unreprovable, un unblameable record of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the life he lived as a man. And so we have, beloved, no confidence in the flesh. We only have confidence in the flesh of the Son of God. You see, our confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. So we declare this message unto you with joy. Turn to Psalm 116. And look there with me in verse 10. Now, Paul quotes this over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Psalm 116, verse 10. I have believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. You see, when you take a strong and public stand for the gospel of God's sovereign grace, you'll hear from the enemies of God. Be sure of that. You know that. One of these dogs that Paul speaks about, one of these evil workers and I believe he was a Baptist pastor that crossed my path. Anyway, he was the pastor of some free will church in Merida, and he heard me preach the gospel of God's sovereign grace. I was declaring in Spanish this verse, For by grace are ye saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And because I was emphasizing and defining what God's word sets forth there, I mean, I was saying salvation is not by works, it's not by repentance, it's, by what, it's not by what you do or what you will do, but ever so blessedly by what Christ has done for, for us by His grace, given to us before the foundation of the world. And oh, I tell you, He wasn't saying yay and amen. <laughs> Actually, if it weren't for the crowd that had gathered to listen to me, He would have physically put a stop to my preaching. And so when you take a strong public stand for the gospel of God's grace, you'll hear from the enemies of God. But, beloved, we don't need to be fearful of them. For if God be for us, who can be against us? Psalm 49, verse 5. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil? My friend, we're living in that day, in the days of evil, and it's everywhere. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil, when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. I love what the psalmist writes there in Psalm 56, verse 9. I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is with me. Why should we fear the days of evil when the iniquities of the flesh compass me round about, or the iniquities of the supplanters or the enemies of the gospel surround us all the time and hound us and haunt us? If they could... They would harm us. Look over there at Psalm 27. Beloved, the message of the gospel is always to God's people the way of comfort. And so fear not, beloved. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, and they came upon me to eat up my flesh. They stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. And so, wherefore should I fear in these days of evil, when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? And so, beloved, fear not. You see, the message of the gospel is fear not. In Isaiah 43, we read, Fear not, beloved, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Now turn with me to Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41. And look there with me in verse 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Remember what the risen Lord said to those disciples? What our risen Lord said to those disciples. He said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then he said to them, Lo, I am with thee always, 
even under the end of the world. Now, does someone say, well, I don't feel his presence? My friend, he didn't ask you to feel his presence. He said, believe my word. I'm with you always. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. Yeah, I will uphold him with the right hand of my righteousness. Fear not. Fear not. Look at Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not. And why is that? For I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. You're mine, Jacob. You're mine. (laughs) Oh, what a blessed truth. Thou art mine, so fear not, beloved. Beloved, we as believers come across things that, well, really we shouldn't fear at all. And so, beloved, we, we need not fear old age. Now, some of you are older people. I, I'm, how do I put this <laughs> without getting into trouble? <laughs> some of you who are um, older than me would maybe not think of me as being old. But some of you who are younger than me will most certainly think um, almost turning 50 is, is pretty old. <laughs> In fact, uh, I'm going to be 50 years old this, this August, Lord willing. But beloved, whatever your age, we know that some of us will depart sooner and some of us will depart out of this time state upon the earth later. And all of it in the light of eternity, as God's word says, is just a little while. And so, beloved believer, we need not fear our departure, for the sting of death has been taken away in Christ Jesus. You see, the death of this flesh for the believer has been taken away. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. And indeed, the death of this flesh for a believer simply ushers us into his presence forever. And so, beloved, we need not not fear death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is what? Gain. (laughs) We don't fully take in what that is. We just stay there for a little while and during a, a, a day that's been pretty rough and just think upon that to live as Christ and to die as gain and think about all of and to have Christ to be in his presence and all these blessings beside. Our Lord said in Psalm 116, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. There's not many things in the word of God that's called precious. We are redeemed with his precious blood. He has obtained for us like precious faith. But he says here, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. What a blessing it is to die in the Lord. And so, beloved, we need not fear death. Secondly, we need not fear the iniquities of our sin. For the Lord Jesus Christ has put away our sin. His blood cleanses us from all sin. And then he says, my little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And this is for the Apostle John. Our Lord speaks to us and says, Fear not, even though we hate to sin. Uh, he tells us, when you do, <laughs> and we do hate sin, but when you do, beloved, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous. And so that's why God's Word declares there in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, because of our advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, when the iniquity of my heels, my flesh, compass me about, the Lord Jesus Christ puts away our sins. And thirdly, we need need not fear the assaults of the enemies of the gospel of Christ. Beloved, we need not fear them. And why is that? Well, because, beloved, God will take care of our enemies in due time. Remember that scripture over there in Deuteronomy? Their foot shall slide in due time. They're on slippery ground. They're not on the solid rock. No, no, the enemies of the cross of Christ are on sinking ground. But beloved, we're on Christ, the solid rock. And by his grace, I stand on him. And all other ground is sinking ground. Indeed, sinking sand. Beloved, Christ is our solid rock. Everything else is sinking ground. You see, it's on Christ, the rock of ages. It's on him that I stand and all other ground is sinking sand. And so, beloved, we need not fear the assault of the enemy. We need not fear our iniquities. We need not fear death. 
and we, we, we need not fear fourthly the trials that come our way. And we have many burdens to bear, do we not? We, we need not fear these trials that come our way for, their, for our good. Peter calls them precious trials. He said, think it not strange, think it not a strange thing when fiery trials come upon you. Now, I want to adopt that attitude, don't you? An attitude that glorifies God, you know, to be thankful for all things. And indeed, beloved, God's word exhorts us in everything, not in some things, not the things you like and the things you don't like, but this is everything. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And so in everything, give thanks. God is sovereign and will be thankful. That's the attitude that's honoring to God. Wherefore should I fear? If God be for us, who can be against us? All right, look back to our text again. Psalm 49. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquities of my heel shall encompass me about? Now look at verse 6. They that trust in their wealth. They that trust in their wealth. That's a pitiful thing, is it not? To trust in your wealth. I'd say the majority of people who are wealthy, that's where their comfort and refuge is. They think that the money is the answer to everything. And our Lord tells us through the pen of the Apostle Paul, the love of money is the root of all evil. And so verse 6, They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of the riches... Well, none of them can by any means redeem his brother. You can't buy your salvation, let alone someone else's. And we read that in First Peter. We're not redeemed with corruptible things. It's not gold and silver. It's not traditions. It's not anything but Christ. And so none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom price for him. Verse 9, that he should still live forever and not see corruption. My friend, death cannot be bribed. It's appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment. It doesn't matter if you're a prince or a poor person. You see, it doesn't matter if you're a president or a peon. My friend, death cannot be bribed. Neither can riches stop the progress of death. Riches can't do that. Not at all. You see, no one has ever been redeemed or delivered from the wages of sin by wealth or good works not by works of righteousness, which we have done, beloved, but according to his mercy, he saved us. God is not impressed with the world of gold. What is that to God? What is Fort Knox, that place full of gold, to God? Nothing but asphalt to pave the streets of heaven with. You see, God is not impressed with a world of gold or oceans of diamonds, nor mountains of silver, not at all. All, all boasted treasures of men are powerless to save and justify the ungodly. But here's the blessed truth there in verse 8. For the redemption of their soul, the redemption of any soul is precious. You know, that word there is also rendered to be heavy, to be heavy. The redemption of the soul is costly, and it's not by worldly riches. The cost of the redemption of any soul is by the precious blood of Christ and that's a heavy price. Beloved, he paid the ultimate price to put away our sin. You see, the deliverance of a soul from the clutches of sin and death and the law of God is precious. It's costly. And it seeth us forever. Indeed, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, our kinsman redeemer, has redeemed us with his own precious blood. God bought the church with his own blood. I love that scripture found there in Acts chapter 20. Turn there with me. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Beloved, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Speaking to all of us, beloved. There are parents here. There are grandparents here. There are aunts and uncles here. We're all to feed the church of God with the gospel of Christ and Him crucified as He enables us to do so. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which He hath purchased with His own blood.
Beloved, we're redeemed with the precious blood of God. Beloved, the ransom price of our souls is the precious blood of Christ Jesus, our God. And when the ransom price is paid, the captive goes free. You see, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. And the Lord Jesus Christ, by that one offering, perfected forever them who are, who, who are sanctified. How precious, how costly. I mean, what is the worth and value and merit of the blood redemption we have in Christ Jesus? So much so, beloved, that God Almighty says, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Two times it says that, in case you didn't catch it the first time. <laughs> so powerful is the blood of Christ that before God Almighty, all our sins and iniquities are gone. You see, my friend, there is nothing weak and anemic about the blood atonement of Christ. It's powerful and prevailing. It has eternal value, eternal merit, and he bought us with his own blood. You see, God's going to have what he bought. You don't go to the grocery store and buy groceries and then leave them at the store, do you? I mean, do you do that? Do you buy a bunch of groceries and leave them on the, the, the counter there? You don't do that. My friend, you don't go on purpose to the grocery store and buy groceries and then go home without them, do you? So what are you going to do? What, what am I going to do? You're going to take home what you bought, right? It's a simple concept. You purchase something and you take home what you bought. And so do you think God Almighty is going to bring home what he bought? Absolutely. There's a, there's a verse here, and, and I'm getting a little late here, but I do want to show you this portion in Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 1. But Ephesians chapter 1, I love this expression. In verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession <laughs> under the praise of his glory. Beloved, we're his purchased possession. And what he has purchased with his precious blood, he will bring home. <laughs> he will bring home. All right, look at verse uh, verse 10. All those for whom the Lord Jesus Christ died, they cannot perish, beloved, or his purchased possession. Verse 10. For he seeth that wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish, and leave their wealth to others. The wise and educated man, the fool and the brutish and godly heathen, the infidel, you see, death is no respecter of persons. They all leave their wealth for others to fight over, do they not? Likewise, a fool and the brutish person, they die, they leave their wealth to others. I heard uh, about a rich man that died in a local community, and they all came to view his body, and they asked, what did the rich man leave? And someone wisely said, he left everything. You see, we brought nothing into this world, naked we came, and that's how we're going to leave going to leave everything. Indeed, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and there in verse 7, God's word declares, we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Psalm 49, verse 11, but their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever, and their dwelling places to all generations, they call their lands after their own names. The foolish unbelievers' inward thought is they're not going to die that their goods are real and lasting. My friend, that's not so. The Word of God declares the fashion of this world passeth away. You know, Satan is still promoting that lie that he told Adam and Eve. God told Adam and Eve, today you eat, you're going to die. And Satan is still promoting that lie, thou shalt not surely die. And many people are still believing that lie. Oh yes, my friend, all of mankind, by the, this ignorant nature we're born with, this fallen, depraved nature, is still being deceived by Satan's lie. As soon as this flesh is born, there's a steady march back to the dust for all flesh is grass, irrespective of what Satan says. There's a day appointed when we will all die. Look at verse 12. Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He is like the beasts that perish. And it says that twice in this psalm, in verse 20. Man that is in honor and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. This their way is their folly, 
the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end of that way is death. This their way is their folly, yet their prosperity approve their sayings. Like sheep, verse 14, like sheep there laid in the grave, death shall feed on them, and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, as they are one with Christ and as they rule with him, and their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. You see, the believer's hope is beyond the grave. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19, we read, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. Beloved, God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me forever. Beloved, but God has redeemed our souls from the power of the grave, for he has received us in Christ You see, the believer's hope is a glorious, eternal resurrection, hope in Christ. I love what our Lord said to Martha. Remember the account that John records for us in the gospel that bears his name there in chapter 11? Our Lord said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Our elder brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, has given his life a ransom. We are the redeemed of the Lord, and because of his ransom price, we shall be assuredly redeemed out of the hand of the last enemy, and he shall receive us, for he shall receive me. Remember what the Lord said in John chapter 14? He said, I go to prepare a place for you. What's he talking about there? A lot of people think he's speaking about going away to build a big mansion for us. And so what is he talking about? Beloved, he said that on the eve of the cross. He said, I go away to prepare a place for you. Well, where is he going to? The cross. He's going to the cross to prepare the way for us, beloved. Christ said, I go away, but I'll come again. I'm going away. I'm going to come again, and I'll receive you to myself. And there shall you be with me forever. That's the place he's prepared for us, beloved, at the cross. Beloved, our elder brother has given God a ransom, and because of that, he shall receive me. He shall take me out of the tomb and receive my spirit to glory, and my body shall sleep in the ground for a while, till God comes again and receives us unto himself forever. You know, that's what predestination is all about, beloved. Predestinated to be conformed to the image of Christ. God is going to make a heavenly people. He's going to populate heaven with people just like Christ Jesus, made perfect in every way in the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Beloved, God will redeem our soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive us. Indeed, he shall save his people from their sins. Amen.